All right, good morning. Before we get started, um, we do have some administrative stuff to take care of. Happy birthday, Pastor Dave! Outstanding. <laughs> so let me tell you, Dave, Pastor Dave will be listening to this. Um, so Dave, if you're listening to this right now, that means you are back from vacation. We hope you had a wonderful wrestle time with your bride, um, and we look forward to having you back next week. So with that said, I obviously am not Pastor Dave. Um, for those who don't know me, I am Kareen's husband. Yeah, that's most of you. That's most of you. Um, really, my name is Christopher Green. We've been at the church here for about a year and a half. Um, Kareen and I met, so I'm originally from Michigan, and she's a cheesehead from Wisconsin. And we met at college up, up there in the UP, where they talk a little funny like that. And she still talks like that. So if you talk to her, you might hear when she says no. It comes out, so it's very cute. But anyway, so we, we got married. Um, we have seven children. And I often tell people that, you know, we've been talking about in this class sanctification, right, for the last several weeks. And I often tell people marriage and kids are the great sanctifiers. Amen? And the Lord thought I needed more, so he gave me seven. It's an absolute wonderful blessing. Um, and I, I'm sharing a little bit about our family because um, I love them and I want to bring them up in some of the illustrations of today um, just because I think it's important so that you can get to know us a little bit better, okay? Um, we actually have uh, so six girls and then my youngest, my son, Michael, um, was the boy and we stopped after that. <laughs> we weren't trying for a boy, it just worked out that way, but uh, really an absolute, absolute blessing, all of them. And the oldest is, um, I guess will be 30 this year, and then Michael is 19, he'll be uh, 20 this year. So a little bit older, and I say that because we, we are in this season where they are transitioning out of the house, and that is such a wonderful time where, <laughs> no, what I mean is, <laughs> all right, let me erase. <laughs> I still have two at home, so I'm trying. No, it is wonderful because you always be a parent, but you transition to a friend. And, and that's where we're at with a lot of our, our children. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful season of life. So we actually have our first wedding. It's going to happen in a couple months, the end of April. My, my second oldest daughter is getting married in L.A., so we're really looking forward to that. Um, I'm trying to trying to get them all just to do it once. We have a putt, putt green in our backyard. Just We can put some lights up and save me some money, but... It won't happen that way. So I'll be working until I'm 90, but that's okay. Um, we were a military family. Um, and I mention that because it's going to come up in some of the illustrations today. Again, an incredible, incredible experience. 24 years in the Air Force. We've moved all over our country um, and overseas. So we got some of that experience and a deployment. We'll talk a little bit about that. Just a wonderful, wonderful time. But retired, went up to Massachusetts to work for a defense contractor. And again, wonderful experience, but there's a different behavior in industry, and that's okay. Ultimately, I said, I don't want to I don't want to do that another 10 years or in my case 90 years but um, that's what brought us to Maryland so I work at Johns Hopkins uh, University Applied Physics Laboratory so it's just a, an absolute perfect fit for me and I'm hoping uh, that means we stay put for a long long time um, so that's kind of this in a nutshell but let me let me pray before we start we'll dive into uh, God's Word Heavenly Father, um, we are grateful for today. This is the day that you have made. We're, we're so blessed for Pastor Dave and Miss Carla. We pray that they have just a wonderful time on their vacation, that they would uh, be rejuvenated. They would have some wonderful time in your word. They would come back refreshed. Um, we pray for our service this morning, that you would bless it. That would be a sweet time of fellowship. That the communion would be a, a wonderful time of remembering what you did on the cross for us. We pray for uh, the preaching, the, the song time. And Lord, overall, we just want you to be glorified. So bless this time, and, and may you be glorified in Jesus' name. So i got to tell you, Pastor Dave did a little bit of a bait and switch on me. So uh, about three or four weeks ago, he's like, Christopher, Carla and I are going to be heading out of town. Would you mind um, teaching the class? I'm like, absolutely. Would love to do that. 
he says, I can give you a choice on uh, what passage to do. So he, he, you know, I can get to a certain point so that you can then preach whatever choice you want. So he gave me a couple choices. And you've heard him talk about um, chapter 8 being kind of the apex of, of the Romans book. Well, the very end of chapter 8 is almost the apex of the apex. Right? This is nothing can separate you from the love of God. Right? And I'm like, Pastor Dave, absolutely. I want to teach hope, encouragement. I wanted to teach that portion of it. He's like, perfect, okay. So we get um, to the end of last week. He's like, Christopher, bro, I didn't get as far as I thought I was going to. And I said, that's absolutely okay. You just tell me definitively where you want me to pick up. And I, I'm here to tell you what a blessing this portion of Scripture has been. And I'm excited to share it with you. Just some excellent, excellent truths. And, and how can you not be excited anywhere you're in the Bible, right? So it's all going to work out. But happy we could do this for them. And uh, I think we'll have fun today. But there's just some, some marvelous truths. So I hope you are encouraged. So we're going to, I want you to open up your Bibles if you have them. Electronically or physically. I, I, I want to actually be in the Word. And I'm going to have you go to a couple places. But we're going to be obviously in Romans 8. And the passage we'll be covering, or the, the verses, is 18 to 27. However, I want to start back in verse um, 16. You know, Pastor Dave, at the end of last week, um, just had a lot of material, and I think kind of was rushed at the end. So I want to go back to some of these truths that are really, really important. So picking up in verse 16, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God. And I took the, the words right from his, his study last week, but those truths, right? It's a subjective assurance of an objective reality. So the spirit bearing witness with our spirit is a real thing. Sometimes hard to define. That's why he says it's subjective, but it's real. The spirit convinces you the word is true, that Christ is your Savior. The Spirit enables us to call God our Father. We'll talk about this. The fact that you cry out to Abba Father is an assurance that you are saved. Right? We learned in Romans 1 at the very beginning, you're unable to do that without the Holy Spirit. So a lot of today is going to hopefully be an encouragement of some very solid truths that we need to cling to, and that certainly is one of them. Um, one of the evidences, right, of our assurance of salvation is that the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. Going on to 17, and, and so if this is true, if children, then we are heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So we became God's children, and thus heirs of God and Christ. God's riches are ours only because we are in Christ. And it is evidenced by suffering like Christ, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Alright, so this is a, a really, really important point. Um, Let's talk a little bit about this path to glorification, okay? And I started to draw on the board here. So, when we were stationed in Germany, this is Germany over here. We were in Stuttgart, Germany, and got to be careful there. And um, I actually got orders to deploy to Afghanistan from Germany. So I have my whole family is in Germany. Now, the path to get to Afghanistan was this. I had to drive up to Ramstein Air Force Base and wait for a flight to Manus Air Force Base, which is in Kyrgyzstan. From there, I had to take a hop over to Afghanistan to Bagram Air Force Base. And then we had to drive to the main base, which was in Kabul, the capital of Afghanistan. Now, I, I, I draw this to give you an illustration of the, the salvation. I'll call it the, the flight of salvation, right? You could use a lot of different illustrations, so just, just bear with me for a second. You could say that, that over here, Ramstein is maybe the start of regeneration, all right? And then you can work your way all the way through. But if we, if we call uh, Kabul glorification, right? And this process right here I'll call sanctification. We'll put an S there, all right? Now, 
Not a whole lot of danger getting to this point. However, when you're in Afghanistan, you're at this big base. To get to here, this is about a 30-mile stretch, a very dangerous road. I'll call it soccer balls and bombs. So I get to Bagram, and I got all my gear, and there's a sergeant waiting for me. So he loads up the truck. We put everything in the truck, and he's got about three or four soccer balls in the back seat. I'm like, what's that for? He says, you'll see. So... And then he tells me of the danger. So what happens, this 30-mile stretch, at the time, and you guys are fully aware, the IEDs, improvised explosive devices, they would hide those along the road. You just you had to be so attentive, and there was always occurrences. So there was a real, real danger of getting to you know, Kabul Air Force Base. Along the way, though, there were kids that would just run, run along the side of the road, and he'd say, grab a ball and just throw it to them. And the joy on their face was, it was incredible. So it was a really neat experience to just give them a little bit of joy by throwing them a soccer ball. At the same time, my life was in danger. So I call that sanctification and to highlight this fact of suffering, right? As we go through sanctification, what does verse 17 say? We will suffer. It's not that all that goes away. We will absolutely suffer. And here's the key to this. That we may also be glorified with Him. It's the path in order to. You can't bypass this path. I had to go on that road to get to Kabul. All right? It's the same way in life. You cannot bypass that suffering. Now, let's talk a little bit about suffering. What kind of sufferings are we talking about, do you think? And just throw them out there. Anything. Persecution. Rejection. Sickness. Reproach. Right? When um, Crane became a Christian, her, her family thought she was in a cult. Yeah, I'm sure that's similar to many, many people. Right? It, it may not be the suffering that we saw Christ, you know, death on a cross, the beatings and the whippings, the thorns in the head, but we see lots of, of suffering in a fallen world, don't we? Friends, family, and those are the ones that really hurt the most, right? And, and many of you have experience in that. We also live in a fallen body. We've been talking about that for weeks. Paul cries out, Oh, what wretched man that I am. Right? The sufferings of dealing with that old man that, that clings to us, that we're chained to. All right? We are going to have to suffer through that until we get to glorification. All right, so does that illustration make sense? We'll come back to that um, in a sense here. But. And so we start to bridge now. We talk about this assurance of salvation. We want to bridge now to this idea of perseverance. And we'll define that in a second. But let's look at uh, verse 18. So now we're getting into the passage for today. Verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now remember who's saying this. This is Paul. Do you remember the sufferings that he went through? He was whipped, I want to say, like five times, beaten three times. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked, in prison, mocked, ridiculed, hungry. And yet, what do we hear in, in Philippians 4? Paul learned the secret to be content, no matter what circumstances. What was the secret? Do you remember? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is Paul, who just went through the persecution I just talked to, learned to be content in all circumstances. So if there's anyone who can talk about sufferings, it's Paul. And what is he saying? He's saying the sufferings we are going through right now are not worthy to be compared to the state we're going to be in. Glorification. Ponder that for a second. He, he's saying don't it can't even be put in the same ballpark as what's going to happen when you are glorified. All right, let me give you another comparison. You're all familiar with Matthew 18, the story of the king and the slave that has debt. So we have two slaves. The first slave had a debt of a thousand talents. In today's dollars, that's equivalent equivalent to 3.5 billion dollars with a B. The second slave who owed the first slave was 100 denarii, I think. Today's dollars is equivalent to about $6,000. Now, 
not even comparable. Now that passage is right about the sin that, that Jesus forgave us, or God the Father forgave us, the mountain of debt through our lifetime, versus you know, the singular sin that someone causes us. And that's a great perspective on how we treat other people, but that comparison holds here true. Right? Ponder and meditate on that. It is not worthy our sufferings compared to glory. Now, what is our future glorification? So you see the definition. This is from Grudem, Systematic Theology, but I do want to read it. The final step in the application of redemption. It will happen when Christ returns and raises from the dead the bodies of all believers for all time who have died and reunites them with their souls and changes the bodies of all believers who remain alive, thereby giving all believers at the same time perfect resurrection bodies like his own. So, for those who have passed away currently, right, their spirits are glorified, but they're not met with their bodies yet. That's what's going to happen at, at glorification, is those two are going to unite in our, in our perfect resurrected bodies in heaven with Jesus Christ. How glorious is that? Right? That's what's going to be happening at glorification. And that's what Paul's asking us to fix our eyes on. That future state, that glorification, not our sufferings. We heard from Paul. He learned to be content. And he says it's not even worthy to compare those two. All right, so we certainly want to meditate on that future state. So I have a note there, important not to get stuck on the sufferings. And here's what I mean by that. We all, let me say it this way, there is no doubt that we all go through sufferings and some are really, really painful. And there is going to be a time of just deep sorrow, right? That's a fact. But how many Christians do you know that get stuck in that state of, of, I don't want to say woe is me, but just always focusing on the sufferings, right? That's not where we need to be. That's not the, the hope and the joy that we need to be portraying to a lost world. Again, we will go through seasons, but it's important not to get stuck on the sufferings. Again, Paul says it's not even worthy to compare. That's not where we should be fixing our eyes. It needs to be on that future state of glorification. So again, we've been talking about the assurance of salvation kind of bridge over to the perseverance of the saints and that idea of perseverance is being kept by God. So if our, if our eyes are fixated on, on what's ahead, that glorification... How do we do that? How do we stay solid on that path, if you will, through sanctification to keep our eyes? It's because we are kept by God until that time. And, and again, it's an assurance. It's the perseverance of the saints. So let's read that definition, again, from Gruden. The doctrine that all those who are truly born again will be kept by God's power and will persevere as Christians until the end of their lives, and that only those who persevere until the end have been truly born again. So just below that, and we'll pause here and talk about this a little bit, what is your evidence of being kept by God? How do you, same with assurance. How do I know that I've been saved? And we talked through some of those. We highlighted some of that today, right? The Spirit confirming with our spirit. There are others that Pastor Dave talked about. But how do we know that we are being kept by God? And here's just three questions that I think are good for ourselves individually. Um, if you are discipling others, your children, um, other believers, these are just great ways to kind of do a self-assessment. But number one, do I have a present trust in Christ for salvation versus a past testimony? And this means, um, you know, maybe someone had a, a, a youth camp experience when they were really young where they came to Christ. But if they don't have a present day relationship with Jesus Christ, they, they should be questioning, am I, am I really saved? And that's not to say that that didn't happen back then, but you should see a continuing, that's why I underline present, a present trust in Christ. Um, often we use this in, in counseling, but okay, if you were to die tonight and you were standing before the judgment throne, why should God let you into heaven? And if the answer is, you know, Lord, I, I did everything you asked me to do. That's the rich young ruler, right? That's not the right answer. It's, Lord, I, I can't get there by myself. It's only because of Jesus Christ and everything that he did on the cross for me. Right? That, so those are good probing questions to understand your own heart, but also the heart of someone you might be uh, discipling.
Second, is there current evidence of a regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in my heart? All right, sense of being led by the Spirit. We talked about that in verse 16. Are we exhibiting and growing in the fruits of the Spirit? So Galatians 5 lists um, several, I think there's 9 or 10, 9, 10, I forget, fruits of the Spirit. We should be exhibiting those and we should see those growing if we are truly saved, right? And we're going through that sanctification process. That means you are being kept. You are being kept by God. Continuing to believe and accept sound teaching, right? Do you desire God's Word? Do you get excited to come to church and hear the, the teaching, the pure teaching of Scripture, which, which Hope does extremely well? Um, present relationship. Again, do you have a present relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you live a life of obedience to God's commands? And again, this is not a checklist mentality, but you have a disposition of desiring to obey God's commands. And then thirdly, do I see a long-term pattern of growth in my Christian life? And if um, we should have time at the end for, uh, I want to go through a practical exercise, so we'll see that again. But again, you should be seeing uh, growth in your life. And it's good to hold yourself accountable, again, to a spouse or, or a good friend to maybe ask you these questions. But these are all evidences that, again, we are being kept by God. That next bullet, our assurance should increase over time as we grow in these qualities. Let me go back to my, my children. Um, again, it's, let me say this, first of all. It is just a miracle. Um, right now, all have made a profession of faith. All seven of my children. Now, God only knows the internal heart, but everything that we are seeing. Is, if I look through this list, I would say they are Christians. And that's nothing Crean and I did. That only comes from, from God. Right? And so it's a miracle, and it's a wonderful blessing. However, as we work through this transition of them growing, of them maturing, of them moving out of the house, absolutely, some of them have struggled more than others with doubt. And we've talked about that. Christians, you're going to doubt. Okay? And we've been able to kind of walk through these truths to address that. It's okay that they say, Dad, I, I just keep sinning and I cry out to God. You know, why? If you're crying out to Abba Father, again, that's a pretty good indication that you are saved. But it's been a real blessing to walk through, you know, these examples and to um, apply these questions, these probing questions with my children. Um, so I would say if you are ever disciplining others, um, yourselves, uh, children, again, these are good truths. Um, uh, good probing questions to ask. We should be encouraging others with the truth, right? Many of the passages you're going to hear today are passages you can be giving to others. Meditate on these. Memorize these scriptures. Another thing I told my kids, every time you come across something that talks about who you are in Christ, underline it. Meditate on it. Right, Ephesians 4, we, we talk about putting off the old self, but renewing the mind. How do you do that? By the Word, by meditating on those truths, memorizing Scripture. So again, great exercise for your children, for yourselves, for others, um, is you see those truths in, in God's Word, underline them. Meditate on those. Because guess what? Satan will try and do the other, the reverse. And he's really good at it. Okay, good. All right, next set of bullets. Um, this doctrine of perseverance should be a great comfort to all true believers. If you can convincingly say, I am born again, and I will persevere until the end, that should be, just give you great, great joy. Right? And great, great confidence. It's freeing to know that I am saved and God's going to keep me. I'm going to be filled with the, the Holy Spirit. I'm indwelt until that time of glorification. That should give you a boldness as a Christian. Right? If now confident in your salvation and being kept by God until the end, we should be longing for the day of glorification. We should have a countenance of joy, of hope, and not one stuck on the sufferings. Right? That's, I'm going to keep that theme going because I feel very strongly and passionate about it. That's the demeanor we should have to those outside the church. Another, so, another evidence or assurance of our salvation and or preservation of the saints is your groaning. So that's really the meat of today's passage. We're going to talk about three groanings. Yes. So the, the comment or 
really a comment was dealing with Christians who highlight the point that the ability to persevere is not of themselves. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Is that fair? Now, the truth is, and, and Pastor Dave has said this, you know, salvation comes from the Lord. It is monogistic. There's only one person involved. Sanctification, though, is synergistic. It involves God. We play a part in that. We can make willful choices now in the context of our saved disposition. So we do play a role. And that's how I would frame that. In sanctification, it takes both of us. However, that power comes from the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's a great way to, great comment and great way to frame that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Have to be active. Good. All right, so let's talk about these groanings. And the first one is, is one you probably don't think much about, is creation. Did you know that creation is groaning? All right, let's go to verse 19. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Let me just read um, through 22 and we'll come back. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption and to the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. All right, so let's go back um, to 19. Waits eagerly for the glorification of the saints. And, and we'll see that in a, actually three times in the section on groaning. But this idea of anxious longing, it's, um, I've heard it illustrated as someone who's like craning their neck and just trying to see what's coming. I think of uh, when I was a, a smaller boy, uh, my dad, he was buying a brand new Ford Bronco. And at the time, that, that was really cool. And he was, it was going to be black, had some pinstriping. It was going to be really decked out. We knew the day he was going to come home with that baby. And so all four of us kids were at the end of the driveway. We couldn't go on the road, right? So we were, we were doing one of these things, looking far up the, because it was a straight road, just waiting for that little black dot to start to appear. And sure enough, there it was. And we got so excited, right? But guess what? What's happening if I'm doing this? Right? My sight is down there. It's not on current sufferings. I'm back to that theme. Right? It's on what's coming. Glorification. But that's the idea of this, of this um, anxious longing. Someone's just craning, getting around the corner trying to see what's coming. Okay? So have that image in your mind as, as we go through this. Now why? Why were they, they groaning? Because creation was set into slavery at the time of the fall in God's sovereignty. Right? In verse 20. You go back to Genesis 3. We see that. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles. It shall grow for you. So you don't often think of that bit. The fall happened and, and we know the curse on humans. But we don't always think about the curse on creation. It happened and, and God did that purposely. Right? In his sovereignty, in his perfect will, he subjected creation to bondage, to slavery. Now, how do we see that today? What does that look like? Give me some, give me some uh, examples of futility with creation today. Earthquakes. Okay. Hurricanes. Lizards? Oh, blizzards. <laughs> we said lizards. Okay. <laughs> so we have fire. We have disease. Um, just all kinds of things. Weeds. Yeah? Yeah. Thorns. How about from an animal perspective? Venomous. Bingo. Right? Right now the lions eat the lamb. In the future the lions will lay down with the lamb. So you, you can see now, um, when you look at, and here's something, when I read this, I'm like, boy, I, I don't usually spend time pondering, you know, the bondage that creation has. We often look and we see the beautiful sunset and the blue sky, and we should, right? We learned in Romans 1, it's that evidence that says there is a God, right? So that's all good things, but maybe important too to think of the fact that they are also under bondage. Now, here's what's really cool. Uh, let me make sure I get my note here. Yeah, we talked about that. So, what are they groaning for? 
For the creation, verse 20, for the creation was subject to fertility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of glory of the children of God. Uh, hold on, I want to make sure I get this. I don't know where it is. We'll, uh, we'll come to it, but it talks about um, they are waiting for our glorification. Because that's the timeline that's going to allow them to restore their creation as it was. right? So they are very anxious for us to have that final step of glorification because now they're going to be restored. Okay? This idea of groaning, until then creation groans. How long is the land, uh, Jeremiah 12, how long is the land to mourn and the vegetation of the countryside to wither? It has been made a desolation. Desolate it mourns before me. The whole land has been made desolate. You know, back to Afghanistan, you want to talk about a desolate place. Really, it is, it is brown and just sand and dirt and rocks and mountains. Um, there are these little swaths, though, by where they have rivers where it's just as plush as can be. Obviously, they have the large poppy fields out there, but it's a, it's a pretty desolate place. Yeah. Certain parts, right? Um, I mentioned we had the opportunity to travel around the USA. And I'll tell you, having been to different places around the world, our country, it, it's glorious. The diversity, you can get just about anything you want as far as landscapes, creation. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, part of my job took me out to Las Vegas, Nevada, and we had some extra time. So a buddy and I said, hey, let's drive over to Death Valley. Anyone been to Death Valley? Yeah, it's, um, it's an eerie place. You go below sea level, right? And again, it's just dirt and sand, but it's just remarkable how hot it was. I, I don't know. In some way, it had a beauty to it. I don't know how to explain that. But again, pretty desolate place. On the way back, it was nighttime, and we said, hey, let's pull over. There were no lights. The stars in the sky, the most magnificent thing I've ever seen. So the diversity we have with God's creation, both the, the beauty of it and also the futility of it, something to ponder. But you can get this sense they are mourning, they are groaning to be released from that bondage. That's a beautiful thought, right? Now... And, and let me go on here. And suffers, verse 22, and suffers the pain of childbirth. Now we know that was a curse, right? Genesis 3.16. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall bring forth children. Alright, so for the record, guys, seven kids. I don't have a clue what it means to go through that kind of pain. Alright, let me say that for the record. However, I certainly got to witness my wife do that seven times. And it is, I would describe it this way, it is a whole body experience. Right? It is your mind, your will, your affections, your emotions, your physical body. It is, it is everything. Um, and it's often used throughout the Bible to describe that kind of pain. You see in Isaiah 42. I have kept silent for a long time. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now like a woman in labor, I will groan. I will both gasp and pant. I will lay waste the mountains and hills and wither all their vegetation. I will make the rivers into coastlands and dry up the ponds. All right. Again, there are other verses that describe that, but I think you get the image of, of what that like. So all this is portraying an image of creation mourning, groaning, eagerly anticipating right that glorification, our glorification, so that they can have restoration. It's a, it's a beautiful picture. So summary, why is creation groaning? By God's sovereign and wise purpose, creation was subject to fertility, slavery, because of man's sin, and groans for our glorification, so that creation can be restored. All right, so they are very much looking forward to our glorification as well. Anne, did you have a comment? I don't understand that creation being restored because it's creation that is going to be destroyed by heat and fire, and then we will have a new heaven. A new, new earth, earth. yeah. This earth will not be restored. We will have, it's gone. We will have Yep, that's a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. And it might just be a terminology thing, but um, bottom line is it's under bondage. It's not what it, it used to be. It's not what it was intended to be. And to your point, there will be a new heaven and a new earth, 
and it's going to be a beautiful thing. And, and that's what they're groaning for. Same with our bodies, in a sense, right? Our bodies die, and we'll talk about this in a second, but they will be resurrected, and we will get a new body. There is some discussion about, does that new body um, include part of our old body? We look at Jesus, right, and we see the evidence. Um, I, I'm not going to go down that path, because I'm not smart enough with it, but there is discussion about what that could look like. So there could be element. my point is there could be elements of that old creation that's part of the new. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Carrie said the millennial kingdom, if you didn't hear that. That's a great, great point. So thank you. All right, so we talked about creation. Creation is groaning. Now we're going to turn our attention to uh, mankind or humankind. Mankind waits eagerly for the adoption as sons. So we pick it up in verse 23. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly, you see that word again, for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we per, uh, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. So the believers are growing. Um, when it talks about this idea of we are the first fruits of the Spirit, in verse 23, um, it ties back to what we read in verse 16, right? It signifies God's um, guarantee or down payment, if you will, of the eventual fullness that we'll see in glorification. That's what is meant by, it's the first installment, if you will. That's what's meant by the first fruits. Um, I want to go, I want you to actually turn to Ephesians 1. I really, really love this passage. This idea of sealing, but I want to show you something else as well. Alright, Ephesians 1. So if you pick it up in verse 13 and 14, this idea of, of being sealed or guaranteed. In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. So again, you get this idea of that's kind of the first fruit or the first installment of the guarantee of this inheritance that you ultimately get in glorification. Okay, But what I want to show you in, in Ephesians 1, this is a great passage that involves the entire Trinity in our salvation or this path to, of redemption. Right? So look at... And I'll skip around, but you can start in verse 4. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. So here is God the Father selecting us. right? Electing us. And Pastor Dave is going to go into that probably next week. But that's God the Father. That's the role that He plays. right? Later on in verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. So here we see Jesus. Right? Jesus coming in, the salvation of Jesus through the cross. And then we just read about the Holy Spirit sealing us. So here you have the Trinity, all three persons, one God, acting in this plan of redemption. I think that's just a beautiful illustration. So, yeah, uh, verse 4 is God the Father, 7 is Jesus, and then 13 and 14 is uh, the Holy Spirit. Alright, so this idea of first fruits, we, we see that also with Jesus, don't we? We just talked about that. Jesus also the first fruits of our resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. Uh, verse 23. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after that those who are Christ at his coming. All right, so that idea of Jesus being the first fruit is, um, the, you know, the, the first installment, if you will, of the church being resurrected, right? He's the beginning of that. And we talked about what that might look like. He, the fact that his body, um, we know what that looked like, gives us some idea of the likeness of what it might be like for us. It doesn't go into great, great detail, um, but it does start to demonstrate what that starts to look like. So again, that's this idea of first fruits. So we go on, it says, we are waiting eagerly. Again, you saw that in verse 19, 23, and now in 25, these elements. Um, and, and what this, this waiting eagerly has two key elements, hope and patience. We're going to talk about that in a second, but think about that. Hope, but also patience. And then uh, let's go back to Romans, and let me make sure... 
it talks about this idea that we are completely adopted as sons at the complete redemption of our body. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, I thought I was already adopted. You were, but kind of again, it was the first fruit. Spiritually, you were adopted. At glorification, your body's going to be reunited as well. All right, So that's the full adoption that you will realize um, when we meet with Jesus. Okay, does that make sense? Yep. So picking up in verse 24, um, this idea of hope again. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? So what is hope? I wrote it this way. It's a desire of some future good with the expectation and the confidence of obtaining it. So the key elements there are desire, you're expecting something, but you also have confidence of obtaining it. You know, in a worldly perspective, we often, you hear people, boy, I hope, I hope the stock market's going to turn around. I hope I'm going to get that new job. I hope, yes, do they desire? Do they expect something? But they don't necessarily have the confidence, right? It is not grounded in anything biblical at all. It is a worldly hope. That's not the type of hope we're talking about. This is... Um, this is obviously in the context of God's will, but it's that desire, that expectation, but also that confidence. So let me go back to um, Afghanistan example here. So I've been there four and a half, five months, and I got my orders, it's time to go home. And guess what? It's right around Thanksgiving. Maybe. Because, I mean, it's really close to Thanksgiving. Now, to get back home, I gotta, I gotta traverse Death Valley to get to Bagram. Now here, I have no. It's not like you call the airline and say, "I'd like seat 32 Delta on uh, two o'clock." It'd be great, right? If there's a cargo seat available, you can jump on it. That's the type of thing. So there's the anticipation that you might be waiting a couple days to get out of here. That's okay. That's okay. I'm going home, right? So at this point, I have a desire. I have an expectation. But I don't have any confidence I'm going to get home by Thanksgiving at this point. Okay? So I get to Bagram. Now, the path back home is I got to go to a couple, I might wait there a couple days, and then I got to get to Manus. And guess what? I might have to wait a couple more days. And then I finally get to a flight back to Ramstein, and then I got to drive back home. So, again, I have no confidence that's going to happen. So, same sergeant drives me back to Bagram Air Force Base. Didn't have any soccer balls this time, but that's okay. So I get to the base, I got all my luggage, and I immediately go to the, um, the airline terminal to see, hey, what's available? So I go in there, and I said, hey, by any chance, anything going to Ramstein? He's like, nope. Um, I said, all right, so I got to wait. So I take my luggage, and I go to the, the hut that has all the bunk beds in it, and people are just sleeping, they're waiting. I put all my stuff down. I go to the chow hall. I say, you know what? I'm going to check one more time. Can't hurt to check. So I go back to the airline terminal, and up on the screen, there's a C-17 that popped up. Has to do a medical evacuation. It's leaving in 30 minutes, and it's going to Ramstein Air Force Base. <laughs> Woohoo! I can't tell you how excited I was. He's like, "Can you be here?" I, I said, "Dude, I'll be here in three minutes." So I rushed. I grabbed my stuff, and I came back. Um, so I did. I got on a flight, and I made it to Ramstein. I'm going to leave you there for a second. We'll come back to that story. So let's talk again about this hope. What is it rooted in? It's rooted in faith. And you all are familiar with this passage, but Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. And I just picked one of the examples. There are several in chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So back to um, your comment up front here, right? It's, it's yes, we can hope by, by what power? It's faith. And who gives us that faith, right? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, author and perfecter of our faith. So again, we wait eagerly. It has this hope and patience. All right, so let me go back to my example at Ramstein. So I made it home, and I didn't, I didn't call Corrine. I didn't tell her. I was going to surprise her. This was the day before Thanksgiving. I said, I'm going to surprise him. 
And so I got to Ramstein Air Force Base. It was late, but boy, was I excited. I was juiced, right? I was running on adrenaline. Got all my gear, and my car had been parked um, in the garage there at Ramstein for about five months. Um, so, Scott, what happened to my car? Battery died. I had no battery. I was so frustrated. Somebody fortunate gave me uh, a jump and I was able to start my car, but by that time the adrenaline was starting to whoop, start bring down. And I said, Christopher, you can, it was another two and a half hours to get home. I said, you can push it and something might happen or you can just get a room for the night, chill out, be patient, be patient. I was confident this was gonna happen now, but I had to be patient and I did. I got a room, I spent the night, I got up early in the morning, I had to jump the car again. Um, but now the two and a half hour ride home it energized the battery. But I, I can remember sorry. I can remember driving up and I think Kareen was on the phone in the kitchen and, and of course it was glorious time. But Michael and Carolyn, you guys were young. I don't know if you remember that at all. They were young. Nope. <laughs> it was a glorious time. But I, I just demonstrate that, again, this waiting eagerly is an essence of, yes, we have hope, but we have to be patient. This state of glorification, as we're going through sufferings, we can have hope, but we have to be patient as well for that day when, when Christ will return. And what a glorious day it will be. All right, I, I want to pause a little bit, and when we talk about creation was um, brought into fertility, if you will, I want to talk a little bit about us and, and us being made in the image of God, right? What does that mean? So to be made in the image of God, you saw in Genesis 1, 26, is to be made in the likeness of God, or to be His representative. And was that just Christians that were made in the image of God? No, that was everybody. That was everybody. We were made different from all of the other creation that God made. Right? Just, just stop there for a second and make sure you ponder that. And what does it mean to be made in His likeness? Obviously, our physical bodies don't represent God who is a spiritual being. Okay? But, Pastor Dave often talks about our mind and our will, our affections, our reasoning, our emotions, our creativity, I would argue. Um, our ability or our command to exercise dominion over the rest of creation. That was given to us to represent God, to be made in His likeness. So what happened at the fall? Was that likeness totally taken away? No, but it was distorted. Right, We saw that in Romans 1. We go back to the very first class we had. Our reasoning was distorted. Our affections were distorted. We, we hated God now. Right? We didn't want to obey Him. We suppressed the truth. So God's plan of redemption, which He had before creation, from eternity past, His wonderful plan of direct, uh, redemption, puts the believer back on a path of being conformed into the image of Christ. And we see that, um, you can read over in 8.29, which Pastor Dave will get to. For, him, for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So this idea of sanctification, right? you are going through this process being conformed into the image of Christ. Again, a, a beautiful, beautiful thought. So summary, why are Christians groaning? Because of our assurance of salvation and the confidence of being kept by God, the perseverance of the saints, we have hope, that desire, that expectation, that confidence in that future state where we are conformed into the image of Christ. That is glorification. For creation, I, I want to highlight this point, why it's in bold. For creation and Christians, focus is not on escaping the suffering and the bondage. Right? We talked about that earlier. Paul said it's not even worthy to be compared to what's going to happen in glorification. So the groaning is rather on a glorious future state with Christ. Remember verse 17. We suffer with Him in order that. It's the path to glorification. Okay, But 
in our current state, we are still weak, as Pastor Dave has been talking about for several, several weeks. We still have chained to us that, that old self, that old nature. We are still utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit. So we talked about creation groaning. We talked about mankind groaning. There's one more. The Spirit. The Spirit also groans. So let's take a look at that in verse 26. And in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So we see that the Spirit um, says, and in the same way. Same way as what? As our groaning, as creation's groaning. Why? Verse 26, because we are weak. And I love this, right? It talks about, um, yeah, in verse 26, for we do not know how to pray as we should. So right there, that should tell you, what, what is a necessity in this process of sanctification? Prayer. We talk about it all the time, but it's really highlighted here. The Spirit is specifically, yes, we, are, we need to be controlled by the Spirit. We are indwelt with the Spirit at the time of our salvation. Um, but here you see the Spirit also interceding for us in the element of prayer. Because we're weak. We don't know how to do it the best that we can. Okay? The Spirit intercedes with groanings. Um, again, in verse 27, I want to read that because I believe you're seeing the Trinity at work here. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So, you know, the beginning of that, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, it kind of gives you the sense that those are talking about two different people, right? And we see, go over to 834. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is He who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. So I think you're seeing God's will in place here. Um, and we, we, the fact is we have two divine intercessors, don't we? We have Jesus who is sitting at the right hand of God, and you have the Holy Spirit who is in us, both of them interceding for us. That's a glorious thought, guys. That is a glorious thought. And what are they praying for? They are praying God's will. God's will for us. That it would be done in our lives. Again, summary. Why is the Spirit groaning? To be a helper in our weaknesses. Right? To intercede for us. So... Again, a glorious thought. We're going through these struggles and we have this assurance of salvation. We have the perseverance of the saints that we will be kept until glorification. And then you have the Holy Spirit and Jesus interceding through that whole struggle. Glorious. Glorious. Alright, so you see the picture you guys have um, kind of taken back, step back, that 50,000 foot view. The three groanings, right? Creation groaning for restoration. A Christian groaning for glorification and the Spirit groaning for intercession. Alright? So we have a little bit of, of time left, so I, I thought we could take all those truths and do kind of a practical application. Glad that worked out. I, I hope this, these truths are encouraging you all. It certainly did me. Alright. Alright, let me draw a little picture here. So up here I'll say we have glorification. This is a uh, non- Christian down here, and I'll call it maturity over some kind of time. So this is our this is our sanctification sanctification walk, if you will. All right, and you know there's there's probably some ups and downs as you go along that path, but but hopefully the trend is upward. Um, and this this maturity is I'll, I'll call it. You know, those three questions I asked up front, are you displaying um, the, the fruit of the Spirit? You know, are you in the Word? Are you growing in those attributes, if you will? That's what you should see over time. And this time is going to be relative. It's different for everybody, right? That maturity level you get is some people are going to be slower, some people are going to be faster. Don't compare yourselves. But that's a reality, okay? So I want to put um, all of you, let's say we're, we're here right now. Okay? 
So let me give you a couple scenarios, but let me ask you first. Um, everyone raise your hand who is a counselor. You should all raise your hand. It's a trick question. I did that on purpose. Yes, we have a ministry here, Biblical Counseling, where you can go through some formal equipping, and it's great, but we are all counselors. If you have this, and you are a child of God, you are a counselor. So I want you to remember that. We are all counselors, and we have to arm ourselves with this truth. So... Let me, let me give you a scenario. So this is you. You're fairly mature. This assurance, this perseverance, you got it. You're locked in, right? You have this confidence. And um, I'll call this, this person down here. This could be your child. This could be a coworker, a neighbor, right? What, what I want you... So what's happening here? Is this discipleship or evangelism? Evangelism, right? We're, we're taught in counseling... Um, that step one is determining who are, who are you dealing with because this is going to look a little bit different depending on this, right? So exactly, step one. Let's say though that, um, I'll put Charlie over here, that you have this person that is maybe um, a new believer or just going along on their path. You know, I go back to my kids. You know, new believers, they're transitioning in life, they have questions, they have doubts opportunities to talk. So I think a good exercise for all of us based on what we looked at today, and I, I want you guys to just brainstorm a little bit. Understanding the truths that we just talked about today, what, is that, what does that do to your view of God? Because guess what? Our understanding of who God is changes over time as well. As we learn more about His truths and His attributes, it should change in a good way. So as you're sitting here, and based on this idea of assurance and perseverance, what, what are some of the attributes or truths that might personally have happened to you or come to mind um, about God Himself? So let me give you an example. You all know that God is an independent God. I mean, He doesn't need creation for anything. He, he did not have to create us or, or anything that you see in creation. And there are some views that God created everything and then He just stepped back. That's deism, right? That's not the God we serve. We serve a very personal God. But I will tell you, for, for my life, when I started, and maybe it's the military man in me, my, my dad was a loving father, so it, it wasn't coming, but it, it had the sense of more of a rigid commander-in-chief versus a personal God. And it's been through time and studying and all that the Lord has done in my life that He's a very personal God to me now. right? And that's an important attribute to focus on. So that's an example, right? Uh, he's a personal God. What else? His sovereignty. Yeah. When I was first saved, I didn't know that God could of knowing you didn't have to do all that. I can rest in who God is. Yeah. It's freeing, isn't it? It's rest. Absolutely. Holiness. Pull that thread, Henry. Anything specific for you that that... I love that. So so Henry's... And I think Romans is a, is a great book to do that, right? Where, where um, as a believer, I put it this way. You know, maybe you saw yourself as God here and you're right here, right? Yeah, God absolutely saved me. You know, He's sovereign. As, as you mature as a Christian, this goes way up here. This goes way down there. But, but it doesn't carry the baggage and the guilt with it. It's the freeing that you talked about. It's okay, but you, you understand the holiness of who God is. I, I'll be very honest with you. That was the attribute that convinced me of election. The, the total depravity of who I was, that, that was the convincing moment for me. Sir? Joy. Good one. Happiness comes together. Mm-hmm. Love. Love. Excellent. Growing up in a very abusive environment, and believing God was all powerful, my 
idea of God loving me was very warm, and that has grown to more what his word said and what the Holy Spirit tells me. Yeah, yeah, excellent. I was going to create a, um, we'll talk about God, but then for us, what does that mean for us? But you jumped on that, so I'll, I'll start that um, category as well. Good. God's patience. Patience. When I look back at um, all the failures, shortcomings, yeah. you know, the sinner man that I, you know, was, uh, God could have had, stopped me to kill me right there in my sins. Yeah. You know, but uh, of course, predestination. Yeah. Here I am. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm going to come back to you in a second. Um, we just studied this in our, our men's breakfast. Uh, this idea of patience is long suffering. And it's the idea where you, you are justified in your right to avenge, if you will, but you hold back. I mean, that's, God is justified in punishing sinners. Thank God he holds back, right? I mean, 23 years for me. But that's, that's, that's a great, great, great point and a great, great, great attribute. All right. Hope. Anything you want to share with that personally? Or? Okay, 14.3, John 14.3. Amen. Amen. So that would be, um, back to that earlier example, that's a verse where I would tell my kids, hey, underline that one, right? That should be a great encouragement. So, Carrie. So what Carrie's getting at, and I, I don't, I want to be careful because I think Pastor Dave will cover this. I, I certainly don't, we don't have time. But, you know, this, I, I, he, he's kind of talking of the trend going up, but what if it's going down? You know, I, I think the, the Reformed theology would say you were never up here if that's the case, right? Not all people, the Arminians, uh, would say differently that you were on the path, but then you lost it. Yep. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a personal example. Again, travel around, have been to a lot of churches. Um, one of the first churches we went to where it was really this idea of election and Reformed theology, um, there were two pastors both excellent. And um, one of the pastors, he preached often. Right before, right after we left, it turned out that he was in an adulterous um, relationship and just, just fell from, you know, the pulpit. He, he had to resign. Um, and I, I don't ever know if, if, you know, he was restored and you're just like, how can that happen? But that's the deceitfulness. <clears throat> that's the deceitfulness. There's a term... It's the uh, visible church and the invisible church. What we see is the visible church. What God sees is the invisible church. And, and we, we don't ever know for sure. Right? So those questions I talked about up front, those are, those are probing questions. Those are guides. However, don't be confused. As a believer, you can know for sure. You can know for sure. Yes? One of the things I was going to piggyback on Terry's comment is that... One of the things I was going to piggyback on Carrie's comment was that as, as Christopher was writing the, the upward trend, notice there are several valleys, and some of those mm. valleys people go pretty down. Fair enough. And they have to come back, and they have to get back to where they were on that upward trend, because there's, there's a lot. You know, sometimes life hits people, and they're not ready for what hits them, and then they're left kind of flailing, and then they lose hope, all of that. You, people call it doubt. Some people are beyond just plain doubt. Sure. And I feel like because the Holy Spirit does, has really chosen those of us who has, it keeps us from falling as far down as letter B. But we definitely go through those valleys during the course of our sanctification. Yeah, yeah, great, great point. And, and again, you know, we all know people ourselves have gone through that period, right? We, again, with these armed with these truths, need to be helping our brothers and sisters. That's what that's all about, to get them back on that path, right? Absolutely. Yeah, all of us have been there. Trina. Yes. And that we can only truly know him when we are in the presence of Yeah. So she was talking about we can we can only know God for sure by His truth, by being in the Word, by renewing our mind. I go back to Ephesians four, right? The the put off, 
the renew your mind and the put on, right? Um, I do want to wrap it up there. I see uh, some more hands, but I, I want to wrap it up for today. This has been a great, great discussion. I think what I want to leave you with is, is just these two points. So that summary of this groaning, again, in my opinion, because Paul says it's not worthy to be compared with our with our sufferings, that I believe the groaning is more about looking to the future versus then, I just can't wait to get out of this body. I can't wait to get out of this bondage. Yes, there's some of that, right? But, but how often do we say, I just want to get out of this because we want it easier versus I can't wait for that time, that final plan of redemption where I am glorified. So I leave that with, with you. Those groanings, I think, are groaning looking forward. Second is all about this practical application. Arm yourselves with that truth. You are all counselors, right? And we need to be we need to be helping each other out, praying for each other, and understanding the scripture. Point them to the scripture. Have them memorized. Have them underline it. All that. Okay, Does that makes sense. All right. Let me close in prayer. Before I do that, Pastor Dave, your class was phenomenal, very well behaved, but they want you back. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we again are just excited about your truth. Um, your truth should excite us. Uh, I pray that we have a countenance of contentment, uh, that we learn to be content by Christ who strengthens us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We're grateful for your gift of the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us as well as Jesus. We're grateful for your truth. Um, we're equipped. Let us go forth boldly, knowing we are free from the bondage of sin. We want to glorify your name. Again, we pray for uh, the service this morning, that you would be glorified and we would be edified. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right.